Well, hello there. Josh here with the Wild West Extravaganza. No new episode this week. That's my bad. I'm just running behind on every damn thing right now. Didn't want to just leave you with nothing to listen to, though, so I thought I'd put out an older episode from dang near two years ago. The Bandit Killer. Now, this is one of the least downloaded episodes I've ever released. It also happens to be one of my personal favorites, and you know how much I hate my own work. And it definitely is the episode I had the most fun writing and recording. It's on General George S. Patton, World War II guy, right? Of course. But a lot of people don't know that he got his start as a horse soldier. In his first taste of combat, his first firefight was down on the Texas-Mexico border with a single-shot revolver in hand. And the dude was born in the 1880s. He was of that in-between era, you know, when the real-life figures of the Old West were still around. Hell, Patton was even mentored by a few uh, old Wild West lawmen and even old Civil War vets. I did take a few liberties with this episode. That's where the fun part comes in. And I sort of imagined things through Patton's eyes. As you know, he was a staunch believer in reincarnation. So while this little incident he had down there on the border was his first, you know, technically his first firefight, was it really? Anyway, give it a listen if you haven't already heard it. I hope you enjoy, and if you have already heard it, I will be back next week with brand new material. Shout out to Lester, thank you for supporting the podcast via Patreon. Shout out to Jerv and KP, thank you for the coffees. Shout out to all of you, especially listener David Allen. This one's for you, brother. sound of the galloping horses, the bandit killer drew his ivory-handled colt. It was good for six shots, and while there were only three bandits, they were riding hard and fast and straight at him, conditions that don't necessarily enhance one's abilities to shoot calmly or accurately. Strangely enough, even as the bullets began to crack past the bandit killer's face, he remained calm. Remarkably calm for such a young officer engaged in his first fight. But he really wasn't all that young, and this wasn't his first fight, not really. You see, there's no way around the fact that if you want to advance in your career as an officer of the United States Army, you must spend time in the field. For some career officers, this is an annoying inconvenience, a dirty little nuisance having to brush shoulders with what they consider to be their lessers, while at the same time putting themselves in harm's way just to attain rank. For others, like our young Butterbar second lieutenant here, it becomes a way of life, a higher calling. So, when the young officer heard that there was still action to be found down on the border with Mexico, he jumped at the assignment, heading to West Texas as part of C Troop, 13th Cavalry, the Horse Soldiers. Very fitting for the young officer, who, as a child, often sat at the feet of another horse soldier, an old warrior known as the Grey Ghost. But the Grey Ghost had never fought on the West Texas border. A border that, by the time our young lieutenant got there, had already long been a source of Wild West lore. It was home territory to subjects I've previously covered on this podcast. Guys like Judge Roy Bean and King Fisher. Real-life legends such as Quanta Parker, Charlie Goodnight, and Bigfoot Wallace, you know, that old breed, they all knew firsthand both the dangers and excitement of that border country. An area that was still plenty wild by the time our young lieutenant got there. Hell, to hear some locals tell it, there was still a small pocket of wild Apaches who would, at times, come down out of the mountains and conduct swift raids into Mexico. But as far as the lieutenant was concerned, those were just rumors. And besides, any Apache holdouts there may be out there no longer posed a threat to the American people that the young officer now served. The real threat, the new menace that resulted in him being sent there, came in the form of some Mexican bandits, who had recently become so bold as to strike gringo settlements. 
And so our young officer, who really wasn't all that young, was tasked with putting an end to such rank banditry, a duty that soon took he and his men across the border into old Mexico, searching through the blistering treeless spaces where eventually they located three of their quarry, holed up in a hacienda near a place called Rubio in the state of Chihuahua. The young officer, who really wasn't all that young, ordered his men to set up a position outside the gates of the ranch before he himself advanced toward the main house, the aforementioned pearl-handled colt at the ready. As he drew close, three bandits on horseback suddenly burst forth, guns drawn and heading directly towards his men's location. However, upon seeing that the Norte Americanos were ready and waiting, the Mexicans whirled their mounts and raced back to where they came from, and incidentally, straight towards the young officer, who decided that it might just be a good time to put that old-fashioned single-action colt of his into play. His first shot caught the lead rider in the arm, but it was the young lieutenant's second shot that did the trick. The 45 caliber slug striking the bandit's horse and toppling both man and beast to the hard ground. And that wasn't no lucky shot. He was, in fact, aiming for the horse. A trick he had been taught by an old frontier veteran, a Texas ranger by the name of Dave Allison, who had recently befriended the young officer in the border town of El Paso. And if anybody would know such a trick, it was Dave Allison, who, in addition to being a Texas ranger, had also spent time as a sheriff, an Arizona ranger, and a range detective. Dave was part of that old breed that I mentioned earlier. But back to the young lieutenant, who wasn't really all that young. He once again cocked back the hammer on that colt and squeezed the trigger, and once again, another horse and rider spilled to the dirt. The third bandit, deciding that he had had enough fun for one day, began making his retreat. Upon seeing this, the lieutenant holstered his colt and shouldered his rifle, feeling that familiar kick as it barked in unison with the rifles of his men. And just like that, the final bandit fell, without a single U.S. soldier getting so much as wounded. Not a bad day's work for a young lieutenant, and not a bad showing for his first taste of combat. But like I keep saying, this second lieutenant wasn't really all that young. And this wasn't really his first taste of combat. Nah, he had served before. He was a veteran of the Napoleonic Wars, where just like in Mexico, and just like he would continue to do for decades to come, he led men in battle. And in doing so, not only earned an elite title, but gained recognition from the emperor himself. But that wasn't his first fight either. Now, you see, the young lieutenant had also served in England prior to that fighting at the side of hardened Scottish Highlanders for the House of Stuart. And even that wasn't his first fight. Before that, he served the English at Agincourt. And oh, what feats he did there with the few, those happy few, gentling his condition while causing gentlemen abroad to hold their manhoods cheap. And yet even before that, in another time, in another land, he wielded the Roman short sword, a damn good sword, drinking deeply of Gaul and Parthian blood before feeling the sting of the arrow. And yet before that, he saw action in northern Africa. He was there when Carthage fell, saw the brave Carthaginians stripped of their tunics and their swords and their lances. And yet again, even before that, under another name, another guise, he served Darius when they decimated the great Persian navy. And again, when for five long months, the young officer lay siege to the city of Tyre until its walls fell. Time and time again, spanning centuries and continents, the young officer laughed in the face of death and demise and overwhelming numbers. Some of these conflicts are now lost to history, echoes of war drums from centuries past when men painted their bodies for battle and raided themselves to die for causes no living man recalls, on and for lands and territories and pastures that no longer exist and on blood-soaked ship decks floating on seas with no names. He fought at times for both right and wrong, for God and country, letting his conscience lead him as readily into battle as did his beastly lust for rape, fighting to appease his hunger and his shame. He's seen the twisted faces of men dying in agony, some of which he can recall clear as day, but others not so clearly, recalling them as if looking through a glass, darkly. 
He knows the feel of a pike grown wet and slippery. He's familiar with the weight of a spear in hand, a spear perfectly formed over the fire of a hundred lonely camps, one balanced and ready for war. He knows the gratifying thump as the spearhead finds flesh, the terrible death scream of the woolly mammoth as it falls, heaving, the ground shaking its hot breath, forming a vapor in the cold air, the satisfaction of knowing he can feed his village, that his family might survive another winter, one more winter. And even earlier still as a hairy heathen semblance of what someday might be called man, back when we used teeth in lieu of the spear sword, he was there. No, this little dust up in old Mexico what this young officer's first fight nor would it be his last. For his actions that day at the Hacienda, he earned the nickname Bandit Killer. And days following the fight, he got promoted to first lieutenant. And not only that, but he also made history. Unlike his predecessors, he didn't travel into Mexico via horseback. No, the steeds he and his men rode on that day were made by the Ford Motor Company. And the battle they fought would go down in history as the first ever motorized car attack. But the Bandit Killer wasn't content with just being a mere footnote in history. And he damn sure wasn't ready to retire. The Roman sword and the pearl-handled colt would soon be replaced by machine guns and tanks. And the moniker Bandit Killer would be replaced by another nickname. That of Old Blood and Guts. Or, as you may know him, General George S. Patton. The legendary and eccentric Bhagavad Gita quoting World War II commander and strong adherent to the idea of reincarnation who got to start as a horse soldier chasing Pancho Villa down in Mexico. But if you heard him tell it, he got started much, much earlier than that. Thank you.